Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on August 22nd, 2021 on the basis of Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from our Lord who has forgiven all of your sins. Amen. One thing that's very important to us here at, at, at Sure Foundation is that the, the messages that you hear in, in the sermon on, on Sunday mornings, that they are textual. Now, let me explain what that, that means a little bit. It, it means that the, the, whatever the pastor is talking about when he's up, whether it's me or, or, or somebody else, uh, that it's not just his random musings uh, about uh, what he's feeling, what he's thinking about today, what, what happened in the, in the basketball game last night or, or the football game or, or whatever happens to be on his mind, but that the message that is shared here in the sermon always drives back to and points back to the, the Word of God, that it's based and rooted in a text. That's what makes it a, a textual sermon. And so we can accomplish that in a lot of different ways. And if you've been here before and you've heard sermons here before from me and from the other people that, that have preached here before, you've seen that done in a variety of different ways. But, but here's how we're going to do it this morning. We're going to walk through the, the text that we have, the gospel text, from beginning to end, but we're going to take it in small little pieces. We're going to read a small little piece of that scripture we're going to unpack what's happening in that section. We're going to talk about what it means, apply it to ourselves, and we're going to do that all the way through from beginning to end. So, so you're going to want to have your, your worship folder open to page 12. You'll see the text in its entirety there, and we'll just read a few verses at a time. We're going to start by reading just the first two verses. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Silly Peter, why ask such an obvious question? But is the question actually all that obvious? Maybe it isn't, but it definitely is a practical question, right? I mean, we can all probably imagine a scenario, and, and maybe we don't even have to imagine a scenario, uh, where somebody has sinned against us on multiple occasions. Somebody has harmed us multiple times. And so the question is, how many times do I forgive that person? And really, the, the thrust of the question is, does forgiveness ever run out? Jesus says, no. It never runs out. You forgive to the seventh time and all the way to the 77th time. Uh, Peter proposed the number seven as, as the upper limit of, of how many times you ought to forgive somebody. And when Peter proposed the number seven, he thought he was being pretty generous here as well. The Jewish tradition was that, that it was kind of a three-strike rule. We, we kind of operate a little bit like that today 
as well. And so Peter was adding a couple more on top of that, but Jesus says, no, not even seven times, but 77 times, or it can also be translated 70 times seven. Do that math in your head, I think it's 490. But Jesus isn't saying, okay, on the 490th time we're done forgiving, he's saying, keep on forgiving, keep on forgiving, keep on forgiving. And on paper and in theory, we would all say, yeah, absolutely, keep on forgiving. But when you've actually been put in the situation where somebody has sinned against you on a repeated occasion, when somebody has harmed you repeatedly, it's not so easy. It's no longer on paper. It's no longer in theory. It's real. And the emotions that come with that, those are real. And the thoughts of revenge that come with that, that that's real. And, and the grudge that's trying to eke its way into your heart, those are all real. Am I really to forgive that person who has harmed me multiple, multiple times? Isn't there a point where justice supersedes forgiveness? That's the context in which Jesus is going to tell this parable, the parable of the unmerciful servant. So, if you're back in your bulletin, we're, at, we're on verse 23. We'll read till 25 right now. Therefore, Jesus is speaking here, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So Jesus starts by framing this, this parable. And he starts by framing it in, in a way that he's framed a lot of parables that you'll read, especially in the book of Matthew. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And what he's doing when he does this is he's saying the kingdom of heaven is different than the kingdom of this world, what we experience around us. The world, the kingdom of this world has its own operating procedures and rules, but the kingdom of heaven is different. And so when we're talking about this, forgiveness, justice, we would say the kingdom of the world revolves around, operates with, with justice and revenge and getting even and punishment. But the kingdom of heaven has different values and different principles. And then Jesus begins the parable. He introduces us to the characters first. And so you have a king and you have his servants. And obviously this king has lent his servants some money. But now he's decided he's going to collect on that debt and we get the picture of one servant in particular that owed an exorbitant amount of money. He owed his king 10,000 bags of gold. If you're reading an older translation, if you're reading the King James, it will say uh, 10,000 talents. That, that was the unit of measure that they used in, in Bible times. And because we can kind of know what a talent might be equivalent to today... People have estimated that this is anywhere between $12 million and $20 million. This is a staggering amount of debt. This is so big that this, this man has really no hope of ever repaying his, his master, his, his king. And it says that he can't. So 
the, the king is going to sell him, he's going to sell his wife, going to sell his children, going to sell all that this, this man owns just to, to recoup some of what he has lent this person. That, that was a common practice in that day. So if we pause there and, and think about this picture, I, I really do think, and Jesus will bring this out later, that this picture of a mountain of debt, uh, of this staggering debt that, that you can't get out of, is, is a very apt spiritual picture of the, the mountain of debt that our sins have incurred. That there is nothing that we can do for God, nothing that we can give God to repay Him. We may want to. We may want to try to do good things to make up for the sins that we've committed in the past, but, but nothing that we could do will ever be enough to repay this debt of sin. It's a hopeless, desperate plight to try to do that. And we see the desperation in the servant here as we go on in, in verse 26. It says, At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. On his knees before his master, he is begging. He is flailing in desperation, grasping at anything that he might be able to offer up to his king to try to get him off the, off the hook for this, this debt. But in the end, all he can do is beg for, for the king to be patient with him and make promises that he is never going to be able to fulfill. Be patient with me, king, and I'll pay back everything. But even as he says those words, he doesn't believe that, and neither does the king. But the king looks at him has pity on him. His heart goes out to him. He has sympathy. He cancels the debt and he sets him free, let, lets him go. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing picture. And even in my head, as I'm, as I'm listening to this, there seems to be somewhat of a logical jump here. Shouldn't there be a middle ground? This, this man went from owing a ton of money to this king to owing nothing. You know, the king could have done a ton of other things. He could have put him on a payment plan where he went little by little by little by little until the day that he died and the king would have at least gotten a little bit back for that. The king could have reduced the debt a little bit so that the debt was more feasible for, for him to handle and then the king still would have gotten some of it back. But the king cancels the debt completely and sets him free. This guy went from thinking, my life is over. My life is ruined, and not only that, but the lives of my family members, they're ruined, they're over. He went from thinking that to being cleared of all of his debt and being free. Get this picture in your head of this man begging before the king. And we can say that in our sin, we are in that same position. In our sin, we have nothing to offer our God. There, there's nothing that we can give him to repay the debt that we owe him. It's hopeless. We are just beggars, just like this man was before his king. We are just beggars before God. But because God loves us, he sent his son to pay the debt that we could not pay. That, that debt was insurmountable for us. There was no way we were ever going to pay back that, that mountain of debt that our sins have incurred. 
but Jesus could. Jesus, by his life, by his death, by his resurrection, he paid that staggering amount of debt so that the Father could look at you, and he does, he looks at you, and he cancels all of your debts, and he sets you free. The Father doesn't put you on a payment plan and say, you have to do this amount of good things to pay me back for all the things that that you have done. He doesn't reduce your guilt a little bit, but not all the way. He completely cancels it. He removes your guilt. He removes your debt forever. Your account with God is clean. You're free. It's really kind of hard to put into words what that actually means and to actually capture the gravity of of what that means. This does a pretty good job with that picture of a mountain of debt that has suddenly been canceled. But, but maybe we can say it this way. The forgiveness that God gives exceeds what our minds think is possible and it engages the deepest regions of our hearts. I like saying it that way because it, it talks about two different aspects here. The head and the heart. And forgiveness touches both of those. Logically, we need to know how big of sinners we are so we can see how big our our Savior is. Logically, we need to grasp what what forgiveness means for us. And so Jesus tells a parable like this about canceling debt, and that communicates to our, our logic. We understand that. But we also have to let that sink into our our heart as well. There has to be an appreciation for the forgiveness that God has given us. So so that we understand with depth what Jesus has done for us. Because this not only brings us peace and comfort knowing that heaven is ours, that our sins are forgiven, but it also inspires in our heart a desire to forgive others. But for this servant there seemed to be a disconnect. He may have grasped it in his head, but it certainly hadn't touched his heart. Let's continue reading. Verse 28 we're at here. It says, But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. This scene ought to have looked familiar to this servant. Because his fellow servant was now in this very same position that he was in not too long ago before the king. He's on his knees begging before, his, before this servant saying, please just be patient with me and I will pay back this tiny, tiny sum of money. It says a hundred silver coins. The, the, the measurement that they used was a hundred denarii, which is about 20 bucks. This servant should have been merciful to him, but but he wasn't. He didn't have mercy. He yelled at him. He choked him. And then he had him thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. So the the contrast here for us is is obvious, right? Nobody's going to miss this. 
This servant was forgiven so much. He had such a large debt canceled, yet he could not do the same for a servant who owed him very, a very little amount of money. This servant may have logically understood forgiveness, but he certainly didn't appreciate it. It certainly didn't change his heart or his outlook on life. Had it changed his heart and his outlook on life, it would have been pretty easy to forgive this $20 that this servant owed him, but he didn't. This is really the answer to Peter's question. Peter asked, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven? Jesus said, no, 77. And what Jesus says in the parable is, is, if you understand how much you've been forgiven from God, if you understand how big your debt of sin was that God has canceled for you, then you will naturally forgive and forgive and forgive and have patience and forgive There is no sin that would be too big for you to forgive. But if we do do not do that, we are saying, forgiveness is for me, but not for you. And God takes that seriously. And he ends the the parable in this section um, with, with some pretty harsh words to this servant. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We'll say it here in this service. We pray that every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. And when we're praying that to God, we're asking Him for two things. We're asking Him first to forgive us, and we're asking Him to help us forgive others. And it's right that we pray that, and it's good that we pray that, because forgiveness does not come naturally to us. Revenge, grudges, those come naturally to us. But forgiveness is something that comes from God and that God inspires in my heart. He does that through his word, through the gospel. The announcement that your sins are forgiven. He shows you what forgiveness is and he creates a new heart inside of you. And this new heart has been washed clean of all of your sins. So Jesus is answering the prayer, forgive us our trespasses. He did that. He gave you a new heart, a clean heart that has been washed clean of all of your sins. And he has given you a clean new heart that, that has the ability and the desire to forgive other people their sins. To let go of, of grudges and, and feelings of revenge and, and those silly arguments that that we get hung up on and we we stew over, the heart that Jesus has given us, lets go of those things, forgives and forgives and forgives, no matter how many times somebody sins against us. To illustrate this before I say amen, I want to tell you a story and and so you know that this, this is a true story. 
there was a, a young lady, she was uh, late teens, early 20s, and she was driving just as it was getting dark when a, a drunk driver was coming the other way, crossed over the center line, hit her head on, and, and she didn't make it. Uh, the drunk driver did. He, he survived, but, but she didn't. He, he spent some time in the hospital and then uh, spent some time in, in jail because of that. A little bit later on, uh, not right after, but, but maybe a couple months after, the, the family of this young lady uh, went to, to visit the guy in, in jail. Now, if we stopped there and we, we used our imagination to think about the hundred different ways that could have gone and the hundred different things we might expect them to say to, to this guy, uh, we'd probably think of a lot of things that would belong to the kingdom of this world. <laughs> Revenge, wanting to make him feel bad, any of those things might fall into that category. But, but the clean heart, the new heart that, that these, this family had been given wasn't operating by the, the principles or the rules of the, of the kingdom of this world, but they were operating by, by God's principles, by, by the kingdom of heaven, by, by the forgiveness that, that Jesus has won for, for them. So that, this is what they said to, to this man. They said, because we know how much Jesus has forgiven us and that, that we are sinners that are hopeless before God and that, that he has canceled all of our debt, that he's forgiven us, we forgive you. Amen. 